Welcome to Embers and Wind. Are you feeling a calling to serve? What if answering this calling unleashes from deep within you leadership potential? I'm your podcast host, Keith Weedman. Blended three decades experience with knowledge from multiple disciplines to unleash hidden potential in others. In this weekly podcast, my distinguished guests and I will share what fuels us and how we serve. You will feel a gentle wind on the embers of service that glow within you. You will receive kindling for your capabilities and knowledge to build skills. You can utilize this gentle wind to ignite the kindling. You will be guided to do this for people you lead and serve. You can apply what you learn with people you love. Get ready to feel the gentle wind. Thank you for joining Embers and Wind. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Jason Carr, and I am filling in this week as co-host. This week, we have a returning guest. And before I introduce our mysterious guest, I want to tell you a little bit about him. This person is a person I met through Toastmasters and immediately through our interactions, filled me with so much confidence in my abilities and the way that he approached the things that I was after. He just intuitively knew how to uplift and set me into the right direction has become one of my mentors. He serves on several boards in the Columbus area, and he recently did a fantastic TEDx talk. Please help me welcome my friend and mentor, Ant Blair. Hey, Jason, what's going on, man? Good to see you. Good to see you too. Welcome back. Thanks. And one of the things that I've gotten to learn about you is two things, your passion for helping other people. And I want to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. But first, you have another passion, for lack of better words, just achieving. You started off in the mean streets of Flint. That's what you talked about in your TEDx podcast. And from there, you went on to create a marketing company that was very successful. And and I'm really curious of how you went from Flint to creating this marketing company. Where did you find that inspiration? Just tell us a bit about that journey. Yeah, Jason, always been a tech geek. My dad bought me a computer when I was 12. You know, dad, 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 dad. And he finally broke down, bought me a Commodore 64. Ooh, yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah, man, I've been in the game for a minute. But I will also say my mom, though, she turned me on. She used to work at a middle school as a secretary for the principal. And she saw computers coming into the education system. She put me in computer classes and I took to computers pretty easily and like computers. And that's always been a part of my life. The Internet comes along. Let's say early adopters hop on the internet about 95, 96. I'm in Flint, Michigan in a motel, quote unquote, living the dream. Not really. So you're living in a motel at that time. How old were you about that time? Oh, man. I want to say I was 26. Okay. I was 26 at the time. Yeah. Went through through a rough patch uh, during that period of time and was doing some things that eh, I won't say that I shouldn't have been doing, but I was doing them. Bought a computer because I was going back to college. You know, I'd always go to college for a couple semesters and then I start a business. I'd go to college for a little bit. I start another business. The internet came along 
And I was able to get on the internet with America Online and you know how they did back in the day, right? The CDs are everywhere. So I got my uh, 56K modem and 386 computer looking for ways to make money. One of the things you talked about in your TEDx talk was that through college, you ran into a couple of really awesome mentors that kind of turned you on a bit to graphic design and gave you that confidence that you could do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, creative writing teacher, she said I'd be good at advertising. I didn't know what advertising was. She explained it to me. I was like, oh, that. I go to college and I'm actually in college for a minute. So I figure out that I can go to college for a little while, you know, take one or two classes and work on my business. At that time, I had the internet money, making money online bug had bitten me. I'm looking for anything I can sell on the internet. And I also could get access to, in college, top-of-the-line computers, faster internet, discounted software, connections, contacts. So I'm literally not really going to school to go to school. I'm going to school to take advantage of the resources that I can get. Okay. I like that lesson. Think about the resources that you have available to you and then how you can take advantage of those to begin to achieve the goals that you're striving to achieve. To build a business, to build a business, man. But I will say when I was in college, going back to the connection idea and being different, because I'm the only African-American person in the whole college who knows as much about computers and internet as I did to the point to where I got hired as a tutor for internet computers and all that. So they're saying, so who, who is this African-American dude who knows all this stuff about the internet, who knows more about the internet than the teachers who are teaching the internet classes that they had just put into play because about that time people start to get that the internet wasn't going anywhere. I get the attention of the dean of the college and I'm thinking I'm in trouble because my boss comes up to me one day at the learning center. She says, hey, you know, president of college wants to see you. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm trying, I'm going through the mental Rolodex trying to figure out, okay, what did I do in the dorms that he found out, right? <laughs> and I walk into his office and he's like, hey, I'll go to this parish. They need a website. Can you do it? I'm like, yeah. I go in. This is the first time I'd ever created a sales pitch to sell a website. So once again, just figure it out. So I go in, I listen to what, I discover what their needs are. I come back with a proposal. They sign off on it. Now, granted, I had cred because, you know, the president is the one who connected me to the folks. So it's not like I'm just walking in. They know they don't know me. He gave you the credibility to be able to sit there in front of them and have that discussion. And so then from there, it's yours to lose. Exactly. Exactly. They sign off on it. That website hundreds of pages, hundreds of pages. This is before databases and WordPress and Wix sites and all that, right? I make this website hundreds of pages, man. I got paid like $500 for it. I discovered that people will actually write me checks to do a thing, right? Provide a service and you're going to make some money off of it if you do it really well. And then maybe not even necessarily do it even fantastically, but you've started to see that you can provide value to people 
Absolutely. And give them something that it's hard for them to get a hold of or understand. So again, how did you then pivot that into a business? Well, from there into your point of, you know, you do something and you do it well enough. Man, that website wasn't perfect. It was, it was good. It was good. The customer was satisfied. And what happens when you provide a service and people are happy with the service or product, people are happy with the product, they start telling other people about it. So then business owners who went to the Paris, hey, who did your website? Oh, it's Cat Anthony Blair. So then my phone starts ringing from people like, hey, you know, I'll go to this parish on blah, blah, blah business. I heard you did their website. I'm interested in getting a website. So this is 2000 where business people started to get on board with the idea of the Internet. So it's not really mainstream yet. And uh, once again, I'm the only Jason, the only person who's doing this. There is nobody nowhere near me who provided that service at that time. I was the only game in town. So you got on the ground floor. Got in on the ground floor. I do another website. I do another website. I keep figuring it out as I go. The phone keeps on ringing. Once again, being unique, being different. They're like, who's this African-American dude doing all these websites? So now I'm in the newspaper. I'm on TV. I'm on the radio. So I'm getting all this free publicity. Everybody's learning. I'm the guy who does the thing. And I tell you, Jason, 2000, I was like, I think I got something here. And so I solidified it into a for real, for real business, hired a person, a graphic designer. And in 2001, when the internet really took off, you know, we're talking about the dot-com boom years. There was nothing like it. It was nothing like it. So I grew from two people to 12 people in six months, two office locations, one in downtown Grand Rapids, and we're killing it, killing it. I mean, we're talking back in 2001, I'm charging people 10, 12, 15, 20 grand for websites. And it's just images and text, no databases, no e-com. None of that. Just straight up web pages and graphics and text. So let's back up for just a second. You get to this point where you're getting all this media coverage. The phone starts ringing off the hook. For some people, that can become just just completely overwhelming. And then that drives them to just check out and like, I can't handle this. I'm going to just go on and do something else. Like I can't keep up with the customer satisfaction or for whatever reason, they just kind of cart away from that. Did you never feel that pressure? No, I mean, no, I mean, things are cranking. That's, that's what energizes me, man. So my disc profile, I'm high. eye. I'm all about energy and experiences and new stuff and figuring things out. There were times where I didn't sleep for like two or three days. Just getting after it, man. What else I got to do? I'm freaking like 28, 29. I don't have anything to do. And I have youth on my side. So I'm killing it, man. But again, figuring that out as I go, I'm like, okay, I will become that person if I don't get some help. And so I start hiring people. And some of them were employees. Some of them were contract employees. So, I mean, back then, folks weren't thinking about contract employees, like how they think about it now. But, you know, that was one of the things uh, that helped my business grow. So then you talk about 
the failure, what happened in 2001. We had the, you had 9-11. And yep. And then we started seeing the decline in Silicon Valley. Yep. Which we then led to our dot-com bust. Yep. <laughs> yep. And as fast as it grew was about as fast as it stopped growing. And if you recall, after the dot-com bubble bust, we went into a recession. So 12 people, all of a sudden, we're down to like two people, one office location. And who's going to tell you how to figure it out? Because everybody's still trying to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, you're in a recession at that point in time. Spending starts to you exactly. know, fall back. Marketing is the first businesses. thing to go. Yep, exactly. They're just trying to make the product and get the product out of the work or whatever services that they're you know, providing and so forth. So then at that time, the dot-com bust, your business bust. Yeah, man. And then when you fast forward to today, one of the things that you showed me a, a long time ago was how you go through and begin setting goals for yourself and, and creating strategies. Right. At what point in time in your life did you find that? Right around that time. And what was the impetus of that? Getting to the point where I like, okay, I can't figure this out. <laughs> I cannot figure this out. So I ran into a friend, had an electrical and mechanical engineering degree. So he's all about risk and process and step-by-step ABC and all of the thing, right? Probably what we call a high C in that disc profile. You got that right. So he puts me up on game. I'm good at setting goals all day long. I can cast vision. I can do that all day. I can get people cranked up about it. I can do that all day long. I can do it in my sleep. Sometimes I think I probably do it in my sleep. But this guy was the guy who said, okay, you have a vision. You have a goal. This is what you do to get there. This is how you think about steps. This is how you think about process. This is how you think about systems. This is how you get from a to B, so to speak. And he turned me on to the idea of whiteboards. That changed my life. So we have a vision of something that you want to achieve. And I think a lot of people, when they go to cast their vision, they cast something that's a really long-term goal. And for guys like me, I can cast a vision of a long-term goal, but I have to be able to see the path of how I'm going to get there. And it sounds like this guy helps you break down that process of what are those short-term things you need to do to be able to get to that vision. Is that, am I in the ballpark here? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay. Can you talk a little bit more about that process and, and what he taught you? Sure. And there were some other cats who taught me some things too, just through reading books. You know, there are folks like, you know, Covey and folks who were talking about things like that back then. But what he taught me was start with the end in mind. And then work your way backwards, you know, and then understand that the steps to that goal, you can create those steps and they're more like guide rails or bumpers because, I mean, life happens. You know, nobody writes into their business plan. Oh, a plane's going to slam into the side of freaking World Trade Center. And when that happens, I'll do blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Nobody writes into their business plan. Oh, when the dot-com bubble busts, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. So you can have steps to get to the thing and also understand that 
You still have to be flexible. You still have to be adaptable to situations that are outside of your control. And step by step, you can have these big steps. So you have a goal, you have strategies, and you have tactics. And so he broke it down to me like that. He says, okay, if this is your goal, what's your strategy to get there? Oh, my strategy is this, this, and this. Okay, so within those strategies, what are the tactics that you're going to use? And I say, oh, well, I could do this, this, and this to execute that strategy. Okay, what about this one? Oh, well, I could do X, Y, Z, A, B, F. I can execute that strategy. So let's take something that I think that you can talk about as a real world life example. You gave a TEDx talk on gaining access. So that is a goal that you had for a long time to stand up on the stage in the TEDx. So you have this goal. What was the strategy that you started to employ to reach that goal? And then what were the tactics that supported that strategy? You know, interestingly enough, Jason, that was the reason why I joined Toastmasters. So, I mean, this is a 10-year plan. Didn't know that it was going to be TED, but knew that I wanted to speak on stage, get paid to give, to, to speak on stage. When I joined Toastmasters, I learned, as you know, there's a world champion of public speaking. So in my head, I'm like, okay, that's my goal. Not really knowing that there was this TEDx thing over here at the time. So when you talk about the tactics and the strategies, well, my goal was to get paid to speak. You know, the strategy was I have to get the skills that I don't have to get to that point. Sure, I have a decent enough voice. You know, I have a good onstage presence and all that. But there's some things, some mechanical things that I don't know. So my tactic is to join Toastmasters and get those things. So then once I get those skills then I'm able to take advantage of opportunities that present themselves. So what does that look like tangibly? So I'm in Toastmasters. I'm learning what to do with my hands. You know, I'm learning vocal variety. I'm learning about facial expressions and stance and, you know, all of the things, right? And I'm going through the manuals and I'm learning these skills and how to develop a speech and how to make it tight. So all of this is happening. And then because I'm connected you're connecting with folks through toastmasters you'll be able to one of the things that toastmasters gives to folks is not just what you're talking about with developing your speaking ability but it also gives you a fantastic network of people absolutely that you can mentor and or people can mentor you to help you get better at not just speaking skills but things like stage presence or leadership skills and and, and so on to help build towards being able to speak on a stage Exactly. And you talk about failure. I remember the first speaking competition that I did. I bombed. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible. And I knew I could do better. And I wasn't afraid to try it again. And so then the next time I go and I start winning, I mean, the trophies are sitting there on the mantle behind me. If you kind of dip over and do that, the connections, just like the connections in college, super important. So, you know, Ethan. So Ethan and I, we say, hey, we're good enough to get paid to speak. So let's start looking for opportunities. We put in the reps and we did Ignite. So again, talking about the, the way to get to the goal. So all of the skills are built in Toastmasters. So now I can reach out to my connections at the chamber. I can reach out to my connections in Toastmasters. Oh, we're doing an Ignite event. Would you like to be a speaker? 
oh, we need someone to present on a topic for the young professional group. We need somebody to talk about marketing to uh, chamber members. It's the connections and then being able to deliver, just like I was saying before, you know, happy customers. Oh, he killed that talk. If you need somebody to do a presentation or a training or whatever, call Aunt Blair. So then those contacts connect with their contacts and they say, hey, you need to talk to the guy about the thing. So now people are reaching out to me and saying, hey, can you speak here? Can you speak here? Can you speak here? Can you speak here? And then because Ethan did his TEDx and then I was with Ethan and I was able to connect with the TEDx folks, you know, the folks who run the gig, they're like, hey, we like you. This round, we, you wouldn't have fit into the theme, but there'll be a time where there'll be a theme and you can fit in. And so after COVID, kind of, <laughs> when I think we were uh, going into the second wave, I think. I'm sitting on the couch in my son's place and you know I'm drinking a shot of bourbon and I'm looking through my email. I get an uh, email from the curator of TED. She's like, hey, we're doing another event. Now that things are opening up, would you pitch? I pitched because I'm ready. I mean, I'm in Toastmasters. I've done all the speaking things. I mean, so I had four days to prepare, Jason. Four days. But you know what? It was more than enough time. Four days for an audition. Correct. Okay, okay. Yeah, so because I know you spend a lot more time. Oh yeah, getting ready for the actual the actual TEDx speech. Yes, that was two and a half months. It was four days to get a pitch ready. So I'm going in cold. I don't have an idea or anything like that. So I'm creating all of this in four days. Wound up doing it in three. But again, that was because I was ready. You know, I got the reps in because of what you started off with Toastmasters. So if I rewind our conversation a little bit. You have the vision of, I want to stand on a stage and be able to inspire audiences. And then your strategy for doing that was, I need to go learn how to have better stage presence, how to use this charisma that I have to then deliver that to the audience in a way that it, the audience picks it up. So then your tactic was, okay, I want to join Toastmasters and figure this out, increase my education, but not only that, increase my confidence and my ability to be able to do this. Absolutely. Because I think I'm probably not going off too much of a ledge here and saying that the confidence that you exuded during those different speeches you gave at the Chamber of Commerce and so forth made you believe that, heck yeah, I can get up on a TEDx stage and speak. Like maybe before that, there was maybe a little bit of question, but now you're getting even higher reps in on a bigger stage gaining that confidence, polishing your craft that then takes you to that TEDx moment. That's right. The confidence comes from mastery, man. When you know that you know that you know, it's a wrap. So when I hit that TEDx stage and delivered that presentation, I knew I was going to kill it. I knew I was going to kill it. I knew I was going to kill it. And when I walked off the stage after I delivered that speech, I knew that I killed it. And that comes from mastery, man. That comes from mastery. I mastered that speech 10 years, 10 years. I was eye on the prize. Eye on the prize. Been in Toastmasters for 10 years, man. And all that time in Toastmasters, you were thinking about that? Oh, yeah. Okay. The whole time. Yeah. The whole, I won't say the whole time. I will say I was in Toastmasters for 
Because you took a break months. for a little bit, right? I did take a break. All told, though, 10 years. I didn't, I didn't really think about it too hard. I mean, I knew I was okay, but I didn't think about it too hard until I was asked to hop into a speech competition. And when I hopped into that competition and I failed miserably the first time, and then I came back because I was pissed because I performed so poorly, Steve Pankin, of all people, one day in Toastmasters talking about mentors, he was an indirect mentor, and he says, you have the ability to be on stage and get paid and do the thing. And I said, huh. And at that time, Steve was, in my opinion, the best speaker we had in Toast in our Toastmasters club at that time. So to hear him say that was a match. So I had the idea in my head, but it was that shh that lit that flame. Yeah. And so again, you know, after that, it's like, okay. And then I start getting better and I start mastering the craft. And, you know, I'm on the TEDx stage standing in a little red circle like Simon Sinek and Amy Cuddy and, you know, all, all of them. And I was like, yeah, boy, I have arrived, right? So again, when we talk about being flexible and adapting to circumstances, I thought it was the world champion of public speaking. And who knows, that still might be a thing. It wound up being Ted and Ted ain't too shabby. No, it's not at all. I mean, some folks going to Toastmasters to get on that world championship stage that then leads them to TED Talks, that leads them to standing up in front of international rotary and giving speeches that go into international corporations to give speeches. So in a way, you kind of skipped ahead a little bit. Yeah, I hacked it a little bit. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, if not taking any shortcuts, but like in checkers, if I can double move, <laughs> I'm trying to double move, <laughs> triple move, quadruple move if I can. And you know what, though, to the idea of the ultimate, ultimate goal to actually get paid to do it after the TEDx, it's your calling card. So then I was able to get a several thousand dollars to do the gig. You know, and other folks talked to somebody, matter of fact, just yesterday. And they were like, yeah, we're looking to do some training. I'm going to holler at you in two weeks. And so again, I didn't know how it was all going to play itself out. But I knew that if I just got in the reps, if I stayed the course, get my eyes on the prize, eventually I would get to where I want to get to. And 10 years later, here I am. The key words that you used there for me was keeping your eye on the prize. One of the things that I found is once you sort of set that vision then everything that you think about sort of goes to that filter. Everything you start to plan, am I going to go out Friday night with my friends? Sure. But then all of a sudden you see on the TV someone giving a speech and you're like, oh man, I caught that. Or maybe before you wouldn't even have noticed it. And one of the things, as you talked about lighting that match, when you and I first met, you let that match for me. And the way that you did that we were talking and you said that during my speeches, I have this announcer type voice. You really do. <laughs> and you said, man, you should really go into radio. And I was like, I don't know. I never really thought about that. And then that's what's led me to being able to take advantage of being the host here on Embers and Wind. You lit that match and I kept thinking about it and I kept thinking about it. And if this guy over here thinks that I'm good enough to do something like that, then I must be 
And then as I thought about it and thought about it and I looked at opportunities, I had a couple of opportunities that fizzled out. One of my friends is a race car driver. He's won some things back in early 2000s. And one of his friends, when he was getting back into racing, wanted to start a podcast. So they reached out to me to be able to set up everything from a technical standpoint and be the host and, and so forth. Well, then COVID hit mm. and stands dried up for racing. Yep. So that sort of went away. And then when my other mentor, Keith, offered me the opportunity to co-host on Invers and Win, I couldn't pass it up. It's been a fantastic experience. That's great, Jason. That warms my heart, man, to know that I was able to encourage you and here you are arguably a radio show you know that's what a podcast is right right and here and here you are and that wasn't very long ago now, it's only been probably a couple years ago yeah that, that we had that discussion boy you're quick you're quick <laughs> you didn't let any grass grow under your feet i don't know about that just recognizing when the opportunities are there and, and telling yourself, yes, it's okay to take advantage of these things. That's right. Just say yes. And and things come up in our lives that change in our environment. We have families or something else catches our interest and we go towards that. But coming back to that core vision will help you start to then achieve those goals. Because everything goes through that lens. That's right. That's right. I'll, uh, there's a guy I listen to, Jim Rohn. He's uh, passed on. Some will call him like the father of personal development, some people will say. And he tells this story about how you send a man to the moon and how there's so many course corrections that you have to make along the way. I mean, the moon's still going to be out there, but the globe is spinning. You got the, the moon is orbiting around the planet. So if you just kept going in the same direction, you're going to miss it. So you have to make those course corrections along the way. And he says, because if you miss your goal of landing on the moon, you can't make it back. You have to land on the moon in order to make it back home. You can't like, oh, I missed it and like do a Yui <laughs> and come back. You have to hit that goal. Along the way, though, that path is going to have to get adjusted a little bit, right? So you had your goal of radio and you, you had some opportunities along the way. Oh, that didn't work out because of COVID. Oh, that didn't work out. But here you are as a guest host on Keith's podcast. You landed on the moon, but you had to do some course correction along the way, right? Yep. You know, the same thing for me. You know, I wanted to be on stage. I want to inspire people. You know, hey, if I can make a couple dollars doing it too, that's the goal. But along the way, there's a lot of course correction, a lot of course correction. But 10 years later, you know, here I am, you know, sitting here in front of you saying, yeah, I did the thing and I'm doing the thing. Goals, strategies, tactics, vision. One last question for you. As you talked about the course corrections, one of the things that occurs to me is things go wrong along the way. And the confidence that you gain down that path can then become depression of not meeting towards that. What advice would you give to people on how to, when that course goes awry, bring back to the course that you were on? I'm going to say something that 
a lot of the personal development folks I've listened to over the years have said, and I believe that is 100% true because I'm a witness. The thing, the goal, the thing, it has to be bigger than yourself. It has to be. Has to be, it has to be outside of yourself. Sure, the accomplishment is going to make you feel a certain way and it's going to give you a certain look and all that. And that's not why we do the thing. That's not why anyone who's listening should be doing the thing. Whatever the goal is, whatever the vision is, it's easy to be demotivated and beat yourself up and get down on yourself and the whole thing, but it's bigger. So when I stopped selling weed, the bigger was my son because I wasn't trying to get shot up. I wasn't trying to get locked up because he needed me. I could have been just fine doing what I was doing because I was getting paid and life was really good. But I couldn't be a good dad and do that too, right? So he was the bigger than me that got me out of that life and into this new life. And it's the same thing with hopping up on a stage. I love being on stage and I love killing speeches, but it's the people who get inspired from it. It's the people who learn something from it, right? So it always has to be bigger than ourselves in order to keep us on course, to stay the course, to not faint, to fail forward. All of the things, man. It has to be bigger than us. And I think that what we lose in perspective is that we all have something of value to offer to other That's people. That's right, man. doesn't matter what your talent level is. We all have our unique story. That's right. You may think the thing that you know is some dopey thing that everybody knows, but there's somebody out there that doesn't know that. That's and right. And they need help to be able to you know, advance forward. That's right. That's right. And you might be the only person, they, they might even know the thing, but maybe hearing it come from you or maybe you have a certain way of saying it or a different way of explaining it could unlock something for someone. You know what I mean? So you're right. We all have something to offer somebody. Telling some guy that he has an announcer voice. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and thank you again for joining Embers and Wind. I can oh, it's see- my pleasure. The way that you laid out goal setting, I think it's something that everyone can grab onto. If somebody were to have a question, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, AntBlair.com. A-N-T-B-L-A-I-R.com. Or if you're decentralized and you're on the blockchain, you can type in Ant, A-N-T-B-L-A-I-R dot X. AntBlair.X if you're decentralized. Now, there's something I want to tell the audience about. Please go and check out Ant Blair's TEDx talk on gaining access. It's a fantastic talk. I'm assuming they can catch a link to that off of your website, antblair.com. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And then one other thing that I want to plug here that I saw is there is a fantastic white paper that's out here on the site that talks about the five mistakes that anti-racist make and how you can avoid them. Excellent, excellent white paper. I encourage everyone to go out and check it out. And again, reach out to Ant. He is an excellent mentor and would love to hear from you. Again, thank you, Ant, for joining us for Embers and Wind. This is great, Jason. It's been a long time and what a way to get reconnected. Have a good one, man. All right, man. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Embers and Wind. If you enjoyed today, 
please come back next week. Please also share this episode with a friend. If you've not already subscribed to Embers and Wind, rated this podcast, and written a review, please do this now. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at embersandwind.net. Thank you again for joining us.